Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Every once in a while, um, we have to be reminded of what we believe in, you know, because it's uh, often in our lives it's easy uh, to say what we believe in, uh, where we stand on things, uh, and then life gets really complicated or hard, things happen that we don't expect, and, and that's when it really matters, isn't it? That's when, it, that's when what we really believe matters. Uh, we have to ask ourselves, do I really still believe this is true? Uh, do I really believe that God is who he says he is, that God keeps his promises, that God loves me, uh, all of those things, because right now I don't feel it so much, and, and we need to be reminded of what really is true in our lives and what we really believe. And uh, believe is sort of a, uh, a bigger word in the Bible than it is in other places in our lives. We can believe in a lot of things in our lives, but when we say we believe in Jesus, we say we believe in God, then we're putting our lives on that. Well, we're staking everything on the fact of what we believe in, and so that's, that makes this, these, sometimes these songs, uh, they're great, and they're beautiful songs, and I love the way we do them, but I don't always know that we really think about what it means to sing, I believe. Um, and so that's a powerful reminder. We're gonna talk about that. You know, I had an interesting, um, interesting moment in my life uh, a couple months ago, sent out a letter to uh, you guys that have been around for a while, and in that letter, I told you that um, this weird thing happened to me, um, totally unexpected uh, in my life, as I turned 65. And who would have thought, right? And I know, exactly, I know, yeah, welcome to that club. Right? I, I, and, I, and I know, I know, I know what you're all thinking. He doesn't look a day over 64, I get it. But, but I turned 65, and, and so I sent this letter out saying that as a church, we are gonna be on a 12 to 18 month journey uh, to find you know, somebody to take my place to be the senior pastor, and, and we try to create this long runway uh, so that we could be really prayerful, really thoughtful uh, about the process. Jen and I, we're not moving, that's not our plan at least. Um, we're, uh, we really are committed uh, this is our church family, and, and we want to see uh, things done really well. And we want this to be, we're committed that this is going to be an upgrade uh, when it's finally done. So that's the goal there. Uh, and if you're thinking, oh, man, do I really want to go through a big transition with the church and all that kind of stuff, I think this is going to be really fun. I think it's going to be uh, exciting to see what God has for the church for the next 10 to 20 years. This is all good. Uh, we're going to, we're not pushing, uh, we don't have to go. This was my idea and Jenna's idea um, that you know nobody does it forever, right? And so it's time, let's just do this really well. So we're in this journey, this process that's gonna take place. The, the elders have uh, jumped in and they're putting together the search committee and all the stuff that we're gonna be doing and uh, to go through. But here's a couple things that I want you to know. Uh, one is that this is a really good thing uh, that the Lord is in it, and there are a few things about North that won't change no matter who is in the senior pastor role, the lead pastor role, and, and, and the, the, our mission is gonna stay the same, and our mission is simply this, to love God, to love one another, and to love the world. 
And that isn't gonna change, that's always gonna be who we are, and so the very first part is that we're committed to love God, and that just simply means this, that, that we want to equip everyone that we possibly can, in every way that we possibly can, to grow in their love of Christ, to grow in their knowledge of who God is, uh, that, that we wanna be a place that's known uh, for how we love Jesus, uh, we wanna take the great commandment seriously to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. We wanna be living that out. We wanna be doing that together. We wanna be helping each other do that together. And that when we get together on Sundays or any other time, that we're always gonna lift up Jesus and nobody else. That this isn't about who's the senior pastor, this isn't about who's doing anything, but this is about how do we lift up Christ? And that's, he is going to continue to be the center of everything that we do. He's the purpose that we meet. Uh, he is the power that, that transforms lives and we are gonna always lift up Jesus. So that's a guarantee, that won't ever change. And then Jesus said in the second part of that great commandment, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, and then you love your neighbors yourself and that we're committed to loving each other. We're committed to being a fellowship, to be a family. And so uh, part of that, it really matters to me, is that that will never change, that this will always be a community of people who care about each other, who love each other, and if you've ever had a crisis in your life, if you've ever had something happen, and you can testify to how uh, this church rallies around people who are in need, and cares for people, and provides meals, and whatever else that, that you need. And we have, a, uh, we have a fund that we call a shepherd's fund that helps people in financial crisis. We do everything that we can to model what it means to love our neighbors ourselves. Now, the truth is, in our culture, we're really good at loving ourselves. Uh, so if we can start to arrive at a place where we're loving our neighbors, we love ourselves, we'll be doing pretty good. And so that's a high value. We wanna love God, we wanna lift up Jesus, and we wanna love one another. The, 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 the mark for us, it comes out of John 13, where Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And so if you wanna know the standard by which we wanna grow in our love for one another, we wanna love each other as Christ has loved us. That's where the bar is set. And, you know, and I don't think I'm gonna hit it in my lifetime, but I'm gonna keep going for it. I wanna keep trying to love people the way Christ has loved me, the way I've experienced his love in my life. That's how I wanna try to love other people. So that really matters to us, to love God, to love one another, and then to love the world. And that's just simply where we get to go out in the name of Jesus and, and care for other people and care for the world. Care for the world. Jesus said in, in, in uh, in Acts 1.8, that when, you, when the Spirit comes, you'll be uh, my witnesses, and he said, you'll be my witnesses uh, you know, here, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and throughout the ends of the world. He said, you know, right in your own neighborhood, you're gonna be my witnesses. In the area around you, you're gonna be my witnesses all over the, the nations, and the, you're gonna be my witness, and all over the world, you're gonna be my witness. And so what we feel like, how we live that out is that we do our North Cares projects and we wanna love people right in our, uh, in our area who have needs. Um, then we wanna, we have a, a orphanage in Tanzania. Uh, we have work with kids in Tanzania that we support. We have a sports camp in, uh, in India uh, that we support. Jenna and I have our own soccer team that we support, that we fund, that we're sponsored in India, that we get to be part of. And for us, what it, that means is that it's a privilege to be able to participate in what the Lord's doing around the world. That, that it's an honor 
for us. It's not a, it's not a requirement. Uh, we don't, we're not going to hold a gun to anybody's head and say we want you to support missions or we want you to support something. But what, what we think is that as we grow in our love for Jesus and we grow in our love for one another, that we naturally want to serve the world, that we naturally care about the things that Jesus cares about. And that means that we want the gospel to go forth and we also want to serve those who are in need. And so those things are never going to change about North Bible Church, no matter who's here. And we're committed to those, and so uh, we're in this journey that I think is gonna be um, just a total winner for the church, uh, an exciting time, uh, a, a great time for North Bible to see where God is gonna take us over the next you know, 10 to 20 years and those kind of things. And so when I think about these things, I, I think about you know, transitions, I think about, I think about finishing well. And a couple of my heroes, uh, in, in this whole idea of finishing well are, are Joshua and Caleb. And, uh, you know, at one point, Moses sent out a representative from every tribe in Israel. And uh, he said, I want you to go out and I want you to spy on the promised land. Tell us what you think. So he sent these 12 guys and they went and they spied on the promised land. And then they came back and 10 of them said, you gotta be crazy. They're ginormous. We're, we're like insects next to them. We can't take that land. We, we're, this is ridiculous. How did we get into this position where we're just gonna go over there and get slaughtered? Is that what God brought us out of Egypt for? Is that what all of this is about? And so 10 out of the 12 said, this can't be done. And then there were two guys, there were Joshua and Caleb that said, hey, if the Lord sends us, if the Lord's called us, we're gonna go take the land. What are you guys so afraid of? What are you worried about? And it says they contested against each other. They argued against each other. Other, and it got to a point where there were people in Israel that wanted to kill Caleb and Joshua, wanted to kill them because they didn't agree. They didn't agree with their assessment that they thought they were crazy. They thought this was undoable. And God said, okay, we're going to pause. We're going to wait for a while. And then if you go to the book of Joshua in the 14th chapter, particularly in verses 6 through 12, there's a great thing that happens because God eventually, 45 years later, he leads his people into the promised land. And they take the promised land. And they're dividing up the land. And in verse, starting at verse 6, you get this great little comment by Caleb. Caleb said, I remember when I was 40 years old and you sent me in to, to spy on the promised land and I told you then we could do this. I told you then that if God is for us, who can be against us? So we can take this land and, and you all doubted. Now, 45 years later, I am 85 years old. And you know what I say today? Let's go. I am as excited as I was when I was 40. I am as ready to do battle as I was when I was 40. And I am at 85 and I say we can do it. Let's go take the land. Let's finish this up. And he never stopped over all of those years. At 85 years old, he's just as excited about taking the promised land. He's just as excited about God's promises. Uh, he's just as ready to go do battle in, in the name of God as he was when he was 40. And you know what I think? That's, okay, that's how I want to do this. That's how I want to finish. I want to be just as fired up. I want to be just as committed. I want to be just as passionate uh, when I'm 85 as I was when I'm 40. I'm thinking, I'd, you know, one, I'd like to get to 85. That's a good goal. And then second, I want to be just as passionate and just as fired up when I get there as I was when I was 40. I, I want to be on that same track. And it's hard. It's hard to finish well. 
stuff gets in the way. Uh, things happen, and it can be really hard to finish well. And that's what I want to talk about this morning for a while is what it means to, to finish strong, what it means to have a, a Caleb kind of life where you say, you know what, I am just as fired up, I am just as ready to go at 85 as I was at 40. There's a great uh, verse in 2 Chronicles 16.9 that says the eyes of the Lord, the first half of that verse says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. Now, I don't know how you read this or I, I don't know how you take it, but I look at this and I take the scripture literally and I say that God, you know what God is doing right now is that he is looking out and he's looking to and fro and he's looking for people who take him seriously. He's looking for people whose trust is in him and he's looking for people who are trying to do what's right in his eyes so that he can bless them. And most people, lots of people who've grown up in the church have this idea that when God looks to and fro, that he's looking for you to make a mistake so he can get you, right? So he can punish you. Uh, so he's looking for you to see what you're, you know, if you've been good or bad. So be good, for goodness sakes. I couldn't help that. <laughs> you better watch out. But that's kind of how a lot of us were raised, right? And, and this is the truth that God is looking, trying to catch you doing something right so he can bless you. God is, go, his eyes are going to and fro. He is looking for those faithful servants. He's looking for people who are passionate about him. He's looking for people who want to finish strong so that he can bless them, so that he can reward them, so that he can encourage them. And God is looking today, he's looking for faithful people and sometimes it might even feel like that the faithful that are losing, but we know that God is never done. That we know how history ends. We know that at the end of the day, ultimately God is going to win. We know how the story finishes. And we can trust in a God who keeps his promises. Sometimes when we pray, we just say, pray God, please, please, please come on and support me and give me some strength and, and, and help me with this. Uh, as if God doesn't want to do that. As if and that's, a new, that's a new idea for God. Oh, really? You want me to bless you? You want me to strengthen you? You want me to come alongside you? And, and, and th that really we should be praying, Lord, I want you to be glorified. I want you to be lifted up. Give me the strength so that your kingdom can come and your will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bless that today. Bless your world. Be lifted up. Be glorified. That's what God is looking for. He's not looking for us to be built up. He's not looking for us to make ourselves the king, but he's looking for people who lift him up. He looks and he sees that and he sees who really wants his kingdom and who really wants Jesus to be lifted up and not themselves. And God is asking, who is it? Who is in this room? Who in there is for real? Who really wants, who do I want to strongly support? And, and when I read that, I think, Lord, I want that to be me. I want to be one of those guys that lifts you up. I want to be one of those people that when you look at him, you say, I want to bless what he's doing. I want to strengthen what he's doing. I want to be part, I want to support, I want to I want to give him what he needs because he's lifting me up. He's trying to make me his kingdom. You know, here's one of the things that we believe in at North, that we're not, our goal, our vision isn't to be the biggest church, the biggest kid on the block. Our goal is to be, our vision is to be the biggest influence for the kingdom of God that we can possibly be, that we want to see God's kingdom grow and God's kingdom move forward. It's not about us. It's not about, we're not building this kingdom. We're building his kingdom. 
and we want to stay focused on that. We want to stay committed to that. And so I, when I look at 2 Chronicles 16, I realize that it's not, I don't want to take it out of context because there's context to this story. There's something that's happened around that, and there's a great story that I want to share with you that happens out of 2 Chronicles. And, and, and you know, if, you've, if you don't read the Bible very much and you're going, God, 2 Chronicles? Why? I don't know much. That's okay because hardly anybody knows very much about 2 Chronicles, so you're in good, you're in good company. But here's a great story out of 2 Chronicles, beginning in verse 15. There's a new king. Uh, his name is, you might say, Asa or Asa, uh, but a King Asa is a young king. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Odeb, Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And, and then, uh, and so this young king just starting out, hears the words of the Lord, he hears the prophet speak, and he says, we will seek the Lord, that that's who we're gonna be, that's what our nation is gonna be about. So he set out to reform the nation, he set out to, to throw out all of the idols and, and all of the other places that people worshiped and get folks focused back on God Jehovah, uh, the creator of life, and he said, we're gonna focus back on him, we're gonna throw out all of the other gods, we're gonna throw out all of the images that people have created, we're gonna get back to our focus of who we are and focus on God, and it was not easy to do, and in fact, in Second um, Chronicles 15, seven, it says, but you take courage, do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded, and, and Asa takes courage, and he calls the nations back to God, and then going to verse eight, it says this, as soon as Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Azariah, the son of Oded, he took courage and put away the detestable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities that he had taken on the hill country of Ephraim and, and repaired the altar to the Lord that was in front of the vestibule of the house of the Lord. And he gathered all of Judah and Benjamin, those from Ephraim and Manasseh and Simeon who were residing with them and great numbers had deserted uh, to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord was with them. So here's what happens. He begins to make these reforms and other people start to join him. And people, at this point in history, uh, Israel was divided in two and one part was Judah and the other part was Israel. And what they were saying is that people are moving out of Israel to get to Judah where these transformations are taking place, where Asa is reforming and turning people back to God, uh, kicking out those, the, the other priests of, and, and those who worshiped idols and, and getting them back to where they belong, giving them back to their focus on God Almighty. And people wanted to be part of that, and this reform is going on. It says God is blessing, and people are coming, and they're, they're wanting to be part of that, and it was a great great time. Uh, if you read in chapter, it's amazing what the king does. He starts implementing sacrifices to God again. He says, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to rebuild the altar. Uh, we've not been worshiping God, and we are going to go back to worshiping God. Then he looks around, and he sees idols everywhere, and he starts chopping down all of the idols, and he gathers all the people together and, and decides that they're going to make a new covenant with the Lord, and we're going to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. Uh, we're going to begin to do this again and they enter into a covenant with the Lord to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers with all their heart, with all their soul uh, and whoever does not seek the Lord, uh, God will be cast out. 
won't be part of this, won't be part of what God is doing. Whether young or old or male or female, and he looks at the group of people and he says, listen, I'm the new king and get rid of all of those idols. Someone start building an idol that we're gonna start worshiping and sacrificing to the Lord again and right now we're gonna make a new covenant. Okay, that's what we're gonna be about. And people responded to that. And I love stories like this because you, 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 you wanna be a person like that, right? You wanna be a person that's passionate about who God is and faithful to who God is and will do the hard thing to honor God, to lift him up, to make him first, to make him central to everything in your life and, and in your family and in your community, and that's what you wanna be about. And he does that. And it's transformational in Judah and really all of Israel. God does something so powerful and he blesses them in ways that they, they couldn't even imagine. It's a big, big deal. And when we hear stories like that, most of us think it's a good idea. He's being a good steward of his resources and God's given him resources. And, and, and after 35 years, he's gonna be the, being the king. He's built up a good reputation and, and all of this stuff is happening, but then things change. After 35 years, something changes dramatically. That, that the king of, of Israel, uh, Basha, he forms an alliance with another king and they prepare to attack Judah. And this time, instead of turning to the Lord, instead of trusting the Lord, Asa goes out and makes his own treaty with somebody and he says, hey, instead of attacking us, you protect us and here's what we're gonna, we're gonna send you gold and we're gonna send you money and, and we're gonna pay our way into your good graces because we've, we've got the loot, we've got the stuff, we, we, we have resources and we can pay you to do this. And, and now the prophet of the Lord comes to Asai and he says, what have you done? After 35 years of God's blessing, after 35 years of his focus, rather than come to, to God with this need, rather than come to God with what's best for our country, you have gone and made a treaty with somebody else. You're trusting in someone else's chariots. You're trusting in someone else's horses. You've forgotten who got you here. You've forgotten what this is all about. In, in 2 Chronicles 6, 16, verse 1, it says, the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Basha, the king of Israel, went up against Judah and built, uh, and built Ramah that he might permit no one to go in uh, or out uh, or come in to Asa, the king of Judah. And then in chapter 16, that, that he makes this covenant, he makes this promise with another country. In, in uh, verse 7, it says this, uh, at that time, Hanani, the seer, the, another prophet, comes to Asa, the king of Judah, and said, because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand, for the eyes of the Lord turned to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. You have done foolishly in this for now uh, for so uh, for for now on you uh, from now on you will have wars and uh, Assad didn't take this very well <laughs> he didn't like that prophecy he didn't like that statement by Hanani and he had him put in stocks and thrown in prison that's how he responded and out of that unfaithfulness he lost he lost the battle and so here's, if you look at this story, you think, okay, 
you were doing so well. You, you had your heart focused on God. You were reforming your nation. You were, going, you were bringing people back to God. You were sacrificing in the temple again. You were doing all of those things and God honored you and blessed you. What happened in 35 years that you didn't trust God anymore? That, that you went a different direction? What happened to you that, that all of a sudden your focus became different? Uh, all of a sudden you lost sight of what God had done for you. And in the end, you didn't finish well. If you keep reading, you find that then he, he gets a disease in his feet that eventually kills him. And, and he died in misery and isolation and defeat. And you look at that story and you think, how does that happen? How does that happen that you blink and 35 years pass and, and all of a sudden your focus is different and you've lost sight of what God's trying to do and what God's already done in your life? And you know, the, it, it, the Bible doesn't tell us that much, so that's kind of helpful to us really because that, it forces me to look at my own life. And, and I think you can look at your life. And, and I think about King Asa and I think, was it, was it power that he got so used to being the one in power that he decided I need to fix this and I'm not gonna humble myself before God that I want the credit for this? I want people to see my power and I want people to see my ability to handle difficulties and my ability to be a king and, and so I'm gonna do this on my own. Did he just get lazy? Maybe he got tired? And he thought, what's the, what's the path of least resistance? I'm gonna form a treaty with somebody else and I'm gonna let them fight the battle for me. I'm gonna let them take care of this. And he didn't give it to God because that's harder work and it requires more faith, and it requires more trust, and it requires more belief. Uh, what, what went wrong? What went wrong with King Asa? And maybe the bigger question is, what could go wrong in our lives? Is it possible that we could blink and 35 years later in our lives, we, we think it's about us suddenly, and, and it's not about him? Uh, that we think, maybe we think I've paid my dues and now it's somebody else's turn. Let somebody else be faithful. Let somebody else fight the battle. Let somebody else take care of this. What, what is it in my life that would make me forget God's faithfulness and God's power and God's blessing in my life? Because we are all susceptible. I, I mean, what... Asa had a great deal going. God had blessed him because he had to focus on the Lord. He had been faithful to the Lord and God had blessed that faithfulness and somehow in that process, somehow this turned and it became about him and not about God anymore. And when a trial came, when a big threat came, he looked to himself and he wanted to protect what he had and protect himself rather than looking to God and saying, God, this is about you. This is your kingdom. How do we lift you up? How do we honor you? How do we trust you through this challenge in our lives? How does that happen to us? I, I don't know how it happens to you. I, I just know I don't want it to happen to me. I, I just know that I want to find where are those points that I'm, that I'm getting too tired or I'm getting too unfocused. And, and, and we talk about this. If you're, if you're new, we have this little thing we talk about that, uh, that I totally unabashedly stole from Alcoholics Anonymous. It's this little inventory you take in your life called the HALT. 
and it says never get too hungry, too angry, too lonely, too tired. Ask yourself, where in my life am I too hungry? That I'm hungering for things that aren't of the Lord. Where, where am I experiencing some anger in my life? That, that for most of us, it's under the surface, but it's, it's anger that comes out. Or where, where have I become lonely or isolated myself? And then where am I tired? And we look at those things in our lives because we, we wanna be as passionate at 85 as we were at 40. We, we wanna be as passionate at 65 as we were at 20. We wanna stay passionate for Christ. We wanna stay, we wanna continue to trust him with our lives and, and how, how do we do that? What's that look like? Over the years, Asaf forgot who did this for him. He forgot God's faithfulness. Somehow he got it in his head that he had earned his, his fame and his power and he didn't wanna listen, he got grouchy. I don't know if you've ever known an older person that get grouchy. Uh, he gets, got grouchy, uh, he got self-centered. Maybe he got soft, maybe he got lazy, maybe he didn't wanna risk failing or losing. There's a lots of maybes out there. But what makes us stubborn, and the question I guess is what makes us stubborn and self-centered? What, what makes us forget what God's done in our lives? What will keep us from finishing well? So here's, here's the thing, I've grown up in the church and one of the interesting things about church is that you rarely see church being invigorated, um, impassioned by its oldest members, its elderly members, or members that are, you know, who get the senior discount at Luby's now, you know, wherever it is it goes. Um, you, you, you rarely find the church that's being invigorated by that, the older generation of people, that it's usually the young people that are bringing the energy and the passion and that kind of leadership and to the church. And, and then what we do is complain about the loudness or somebody's taking our seat or it's just messier when younger people are involved. And somehow, um, somehow, we, we need to not let go of what God has done in our lives. You know, we've got this rich reservoir of experience living for Jesus, of giving our lives away to him, of seeing his blessing and his provision that we can pass on, that we should be passing on to the next generation. And what it requires are people who are as passionate about Jesus at 85 as they were at 40 that people that are just as passionate about Jesus today as the day they first responded to his love in their lives. Now, <laughs> this, is, this is what I think about. I, I think about, uh, well, I've got a picture here. My, uh, okay, that is my granddaughter Lucy. She's just turned 13, and that's her iPod Touch. That's the closest that her dad will let her get to a cell phone at 13, but iPod Touch so she can text us. It's awesome, text. And her mom took this picture, and if you see really closely at the top, uh, she's, it says, pray for grandpa. That would be me. So when I was leaving in May to go to Poland uh, to serve with this place, thing called the European Leadership Forum where they train young pastors in Eastern Europe to plant churches, my granddaughter prayed for me every day. While I was gone, she put a little reminder on her phone, pray for grandpa, so that she would pray for me 
uh, every day while I was gone, every day while I was serving, because that's kind of how they, how they roll as a family. What, what's everybody up to? How, who can we pray for? And so Lucy was praying for me every day. Now I have a, another granddaughter, Edie, who's not one yet, so we go from 13 to not quite uh, one in our nine grandkids. And here's, here's what I want. In 12 years, I want, I want Edie to have on her iPod, whatever it is now, you know, it's, you know, it's like glasses or something that they'll you know, use, but I want her to say, okay, Grandpa's someplace serving Jesus, but I need to pray for him. And he's a little bit crazy. Um, he's out there doing something. We, instead of where's Waldo, we'll have where's Grandpa now. Uh, he's somewhere encouraging people to follow Jesus. Uh, he's somewhere helping younger pastors to stay faithful to Christ and, and stay faithful to their families. And and not forget that it's about Jesus and not about them, and, and he's out there someplace doing that, and we're a little worried that he'll forget where he is, but we're gonna pray for him every day because he's still out there, passionate about Christ and passionate about the kingdom of God and passionate about serving people, and, and so let's, let's pray for Grandpa. And then, of course, he's gonna be showing up at some point in our lives and at our house. Um, because that's, well, that's what grandpas do. And so I, I want Edie to have to pray for her grandpa just the way, the same way that Lucy's prayed for her grandpa that's far away but serving Christ, still passionate about what God's doing in the world, still passionate about her own, his own personal relationship with Christ. And, and I want that to be part of the legacy that our family lives with. I want that to be part of how we finish the race. And so I want to encourage you this morning, I don't know, take a mental picture of that iPod touch and what do you, what, what do you want your grandkids to be praying for uh, when you get to that place in life? What's that going to look like for you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the example that you gave us of Caleb and Joshua and their faithfulness and their trust, and also, Lord, for the example of Esau, who, who forgot, Lord, forgot about your faithfulness, who didn't remember your uh, provision for him. Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, I pray that you'd give us long memories. I pray, Lord, that you would position us in our lives so that we might not forget your love for us and your faithfulness. Lord, as we, as we love you and as we love one another and as we love the world, Lord, that, that we would be more passionate 20 years from now than that we are today. Uh, Lord, that you would call us to something that's greater, something that's bigger than we could ever imagine. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We praise you in Jesus' name. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. 
We have um, our prayer partners back in the corner. Uh, good looking folks back there, okay? So if you have a need for prayer, I encourage you to wander back there. They'd love to pray for you and, and with you. Um, and then our prayer table, you record your prayer requests, write them down, and, and we'll start first thing tomorrow praying through those prayer requests with you and, and for you. So two great opportunities. And then we're gonna have our prayer walk coming and some other things as we prepare for our kickoff. So take advantage of those. Grab some of those postcards so you can invite some folks to come uh, and, um, and join us. Uh, you, you know, on the 12th is gonna be pretty fun. And some people would feel like, is this, you're supposed to do this stuff at church and you know here's my opinion okay just my my uh, purely deeply theological biblical view of this is that we should laugh at least once every week at church right and I always tell you that I'd prefer you're laughing with me I'll take whatever I can get though because we should be the happiest people on the planet we should be the most joyful people on the planet so we're going to come and have fun and and look at what God's doing and look at what he's going to do uh, as we go forward so uh, grab some postcards be part of that uh, with us. Here's my prayer this week, is that we might have the perspective, we might take a, a look at our lives, and, and we might think about what's it going to take for me to be as passionate about Jesus in 25 years as I am today, to be as in love with Jesus and in, as love, in his love with his church, with his people, uh, in 25 years as I am today, and then start doing that. Start now, start today, don't wait. It's not something you put off. It's not something that you, you plan. It's not like a summer vacation, okay? You start today, start doing it. I love you guys. Have a great day. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.